0: I'm already whole and I'm not broken and like I'm I'm actually okay as I am and it's it's what I've been told and fed in so many different ways. Um, that's the thing. That's the issue. And uh, you know, for me, when I started to realize that, it's like that in and of itself eliminated a whole host of reasons that I wanted to drink and use. You know, <laughs> and so it, it's so important to to practice remembering that. And like, we need other people to help us remember that too often.
1: Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Hello, welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. My name is Samantha Nagel or Sam um welcome back to season two this is I think our third episode right um either way very early on in season two and I'm so excited to be bringing you this episode this episode is with my new friend Haley Devlin we met on Instagram and we actually chatted about this when we met um before we pressed record but it feels like We've met each other, or at least I feel like I've met her before. And so I had to reflect on, like, no, I just saw a reel of hers like a month ago, (laughs) Uh, which I thought was so, so special that we can connect in this way. I would have probably never met her uh, IRL, but I was able to connect with a new friend and bring you an awesome new episode. I think you're really gonna love this episode. It's about recovery and it's also about embodiment as well. We talk about so much good stuff. Um, we start off by talking about recovery and we talk a little bit about our own recovery as well. Um, I don't know. I think I've been like mildly open about my own, maybe maybe more than, maybe moderately open, <laughs> um, which is that I've been sober from alcohol for like for over a year. It was October 25th, 2020. 2020. <laughs> um, but I had been like wanting to quit before that. I think I went on that process of wanting to quit maybe in like January of 2020. So it took 10 months or so to really take off. Um, and I always feel like I want to say this, but it doesn't invalidate it in any way is that I wouldn't say I had like, I don't know, when you think of recovery or, or sobriety, you think, oh, that person must have been really struggling with that substance before they went into recovery. And I wasn't struggling like that per se, but it was like, I could see it going on that path. Um, there was like binge drinking. Um, and even if the binges were somewhat spaced apart, sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't, I um, would be thinking about the next binge a lot, a lot planning it and like fantasizing about it. Um, And that was kind of my first red flag. Um, Another one was that I would drink a lot to the point of getting drunk almost every time. It was really challenging to just have one or two drinks. If I did just have one or two, which by the way, two is like almost enough to get me to be drunk. So um, really the, the good limit for me was one. So it was hard for me to just have one. And even if I did, I would be like, thinking about how much I wished I had had another one. During my first one, I would be thinking of having a second one. Um, And also like scheming ways to have that second, third, fourth drink and like how to justify that to everyone else who wasn't drinking to get drunk. Um, And then another thing I would do that like in retrospect was a huge sign. that something needed to change was I would tell people like, I'm not going to get drunk. I'm just going to drink a little bit. I'm just going to get tipsy, whatever. Um, And then accidentally drink too much. Like, Oh, oops. I didn't know that that much would get me drunk. But then it like got to the point where it was like, that was every time. So how was I not aware of it? Um, Yeah. So there were a lot of those signs that were like, Oh, this is like on track to being a problem. Uh, and it was a problem, right? It like, just because it it was maybe less of a problem than other people's paths doesn't mean it wasn't a problem for me. Um, so yeah, I feel super happy that I am over a year sober of alcohol. I first tried to do it just to do the year. And a big incentive was I went on antidepressants and the, or I went back on antidepressants. It was really hard to find one that worked. Um, And the doctor I spoke to said like, at least in the beginning, you can't drink at all because it's going to exacerbate all your side effects. It's not going to, it's going to make the antidepressant do the opposite of that, (laughs) of of its intention. So like really, really don't drink if you can. And I was like, well, okay, I guess that's my sign. Um, And so by the time, I think I was only on them for like maybe six months. No whatever, so like six-ish months after that, maybe, it was like eight months, um, so I think I stopped in May, anyways, um, I thought about like, oh, I could drink now, um, but then I decided, okay, I'm going to make it for the whole year, and then we'll reassess after that, and that October date was coming around the corner, and I was even, I was like planning the binge, I was planning the binge, which is exactly what I used to do before, and I like reached out to friends, and I was like, what if we like went out and we got really drunk and then I'll do another year sober again? And they were all kind of like, I mean, sure, if you want to. <laughs> and my, I asked my partner, I was like, do you think it's a good idea? And he said, no. And I was like, but I mean, maybe though, right? <laughs> and then once the year mark hit, I did a lot of reflections. I even wrote um, a blog post about it. And in writing that all out, actually, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, like, no, this was definitely on track to being a problem slash was in early stages of problemhood, um, I don't need to be binge drinking. <laughs> I also like, I didn't know if I was gonna be able to stop. So I don't know how I went on that tangent, but um, yeah. So it's just super fun to, as a sober person to chat with other sober people um, because it's it can be hard to exist. Not hard, um, but like, it's just another path than a lot of people are maybe on. And so being a sober person has its challenges or has its um, feelings of loneliness at times. I have a friend who is just starting her her sobriety journey and she was saying how hard it is like, because all her friends want to go out and drink and that's all they want to do. And she's like, well, how can I keep this friendship circle? And it can feel so lonely, uh, which is why I'm really, really grateful for the work that Haley's doing with her embodied recovery community, um, because she is creating that safe space for women and anyone else harmed by the patriarchy um, to gather in community and to be that safe space for each other. And also be that, um, like meet on a common ground almost. Even if you have a lot not in common, um, sobriety has a cool way of joining you. And I wanna say, I know I've talked about her book, so much um, on here and just in my life but holly whitaker's book quit like a woman is so 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 good i recommend it so hard <laughs> um i think it's so good even if you want to keep drinking and even if you're not a woman um she talks about um maybe like controversial opinions on aa and other programs similar. Um, She, and like how women need a space that's maybe different, not different, but like has a different approach than what we've seen in traditional 12 step programs, which I really appreciate. Um, She talks a lot about big alcohol um, and the ways that it's really been ingrained in us that it's normal, healthy, safe, expected, et cetera to drink alcohol. And like, she also talks about the real truth of it, which is that alcohol is not safe to drink. Um, and this isn't to shame you if you drink either. And we also, um, Haley's work is not just about alcohol recovery. I'm just, uh, I'm just going on a little thing about alcohol. Um, but yeah, uh, Holly breaks it down and, and talks about like, what's really in alcohol, which by the way, it's the same as gasoline. Um, what it really does to your body. So it's, I just, I just love that book and I love Holly's work so much. And I also love Haley's work so much. I was worried I'd get Haley and Holly confused there. Um, Haley is so, so wonderful. Before I tell you a little bit more about her, I would really love to read you a poem. This is not my poem. This is a poem from Alexandra Roxo from her book, Heal yourself, reclaim your voice, stand in your power, fuck like a goddess. And this is on page three. (laughs) And so I'm at like, this is what, this is the kind of content on page three. The book is so, so good. And it's something I've been saying to myself every day like a prayer. And so I thought it would be very applicable for this conversation. I am willing to show up even when it's uncomfortable. To claim the freedom to become all that I want to be. To shine brightly even amid the dark. To love as big as I possibly can. To make love to life. To the present moment. To myself. To a lover. To the sky. To let myself be the ever-evolving who I am and let that discovery be my life's art. To reclaim my body, my voice, my power. And when it hurts, I will not give up because I will be thinking of mama earth and how she needs me to shine. And I will be thinking of little boys and girls who are not free and I will let my battle cry be. I will find courage to face my fears. I will love even when it hurts. I will not avoid the tough stuff but take as many breaks as I need. I will open to this life. I will awaken for the sake of all beings everywhere. And so it is. That's from Alexandra Roxo's book, Fuck Like a Goddess. And it, it brings me so much joy, um, so much empowerment, and really speaks to my soul. It's good soul, soul reading stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to give you more soul enriching stuff, which is this conversation with Haley Devlin. So Haley is the founder of Embodied Recovery Community, which is an online space for women plus who are recovering from participating in any destructive behaviors. She is also a somatic educator and facilitator, a sober coach, a ceremonialist, a mother, and a healing justice advocate. Her work is to empower you with practices and support to come to know and fully inhabit your body as a safe and sacred space So that you can recover your sense of self-trust, your authenticity, your sovereignty, your intuition, and your vibrancy. Her approach teaches or her approach merges science with spirit in a way that is grounded, accessible, and (sighs) trauma-informed. She's so amazing. And the doors to the embodied recovery communities. The doors open in the end of this month, March in 2022, Um, but they will open again if you're listening to this, not in real time. Um, So in this episode, we start by talking about authenticity, which as you may know from the countless times I've said it is my word of 2022. And so I'm figuring out how to embody authenticity. Something we talk about in this episode a little is like the, the, the pendulum that we go through, on authenticity. Um, Something I learned from one of my teachers, Marley Liss, is that oftentimes when we start on that authentic journey, we start from an outside in model where we're like, either like F this or like, please like me. (laughs) Um, But true authenticity and embodiment is an inside out approach, which I love so much. Um, We talk about belonging The Challenge to Belong, which actually, if I could give you a little book recommendation um, that you did not ask for, another one, a third one, it would be Belonging. Remembering Ourselves Home by Toko Pop Turner. That's something I've been uh, reading recently as well. I read a lot of books on people, (laughs) if you haven't already picked that up. Um, So we talk about belonging, um, why we struggle to belong, why we fight to belong, and why it hurts when we don't, um, and how that, res- uh, how that need is, is reflected in community, especially recovery, community spaces. We talk about being inherently worthy and inherently divine, and not having to hustle for that belonging or for that worthiness. Um, we talk about the path to self-love and how we can start on that on smaller scales, So we don't just jump from self-loathing to self-love. She explains values (laughs) and the importance of values. I was actually going to add this in the interview, but we didn't have time. A practice I really love to do is um, to write out my values every single morning. Um, I write what I'm grateful for, and then I write my values, and then I write like what I'm trying to call into my life. And so I really like that. I like writing the values before that. Because it really helps me ground like, are these things that I want to call in really aligned with my values? Um, she talks a little bit about her work with somatics and how she views somatics as a paradigm, which I think is so, so cool. Um, and we also talk about focusing on our progress instead of always focusing on what we have left to accomplish, which I think is so cool, or have yet to grow. Um yeah, this is just a really, really great episode. I'm really excited for you to listen to this interview with Haley Devlin. Oh, and by the way, I keep forgetting to say this. I would love for you to watch this interview on YouTube. Um, this beginning part isn't on YouTube, but the interview is. So you can see what I look like. <laughs> you can see what Haley looks like. You can see us talking in real time. I was actually telling Haley that it's been weird <laughs> because I have my zoom mirrored. I didn't know that I had it, but I see myself how I would in a mirror. Um, and on the video, I see myself not like that. And so watching myself is weird. Cause I'm like, Oh, is that what I look like? <laughs> Anyways, if you want to know what I look like <laughs> or want to see us chatting, feel free to watch that interview on YouTube. It's the empowered spirituality, uh, channel on YouTube. Hello, Haley Devlin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad that we are connecting in this way.
0: Me too. Yay. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hey, Thank you. Um, I'm going to pull a card for us from my energy center crystal chakra type deck. And so the card might be for you or for me. Uh, it could inform the conversation or it could not, or it could be for someone listening. It's always fun. Love it. I'm just gonna shuffle, shuffle and let me pick. Ooh, beauty and the, oh, I don't know how, you know. I'll show you. Mm. I don't know what that is, But it's beauty seen that. It helps you stay in the moment while supporting clear thinking. You are able mm. to come to decisions faster um, it naturally infuses the energies of beauty and abundance. Love that. Yeah. Does that resonate with you at all today?
0: Totally. Yeah. It's funny. I was just listening to um, a podcast episode actually that John O'Donohue did with Krista Tippett on On Being. And I don't know if you um, are familiar with his work or not, but he um, wrote some incredible books. He passed away several years ago, but he um, was just a deeply spiritual and inspiring human being and he was talking in the episode about um, beauty being like uh, really a necessity Um, and how I think we often think of it as a luxury but actually that like uh, intentionally orienting to the beauty that surrounds us is like a deeply spiritual practice and so I when you pulled that I just was like oh yes it just felt like another kind of like reminder of the importance of bringing beauty into our lives or and not even bringing it in but just like being aware that it's already there you know
1: oh I love how you're seeing that I think Mm. I saw it in a different way which is that when I first started recording videos for the podcast I would like get really dulled up because Mm. I felt really insecure and then today I was like no (laughs) and so I I was kind of thinking like I don't need to be beautiful like to be seen but Mm. now that I hear you say that it's more like I'm already inherently beautiful, and also yes. so is everything else.
0: Totally, totally. Yes, so true.
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. What a great start to our episode. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I would love to dive in maybe with authenticity. Yeah. That was That's my word of the year, so I see that's part of your bios, part of what you help people do yes. uh, or come back to, so I would love to hear your thoughts on it, authenticity.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, thanks for that. I mean, I feel like it's such a, it could be a whole episode in and of itself probably. Um, but authenticity, I think is such a vital part of the way that I get to live my life now. Um, and really it's a result of my recovery, you know? Um, but I guess I'll share a little bit about like, you know, I think before I entered into recovery, um and I'm sure we'll talk about that more but all to say I lived a lot of my life being very inauthentic and just in trying to be who I thought other people needed me to be in order to get my needs met and to feel loved and to feel like I belonged um but the thing that I didn't really realize until you know i would already been living that way for most of my life is that In continually needing to be who I thought other people needed me to be and therefore being inauthentic I was really betraying my own capacity to belong to myself, you know. Um, And I think that it's natural to have that need to want to belong and to try to kind of mold ourselves to be to fit in, in a sense. Um, that's like pretty like normal human, human relational dynamics. And I think that there's often a degree to which we do it to our detriment and that causes so much harm, you know? And, um, and so, you know, when I got sober, authenticity wasn't really something that I was trying actively to do, but I found that the more I committed to my recovery, which is to say, a huge part of recovery is just like being honest, being honest with myself, being honest with other people about what's happening for me, about what I'm feeling, about what I need, about what I want or don't want. Um, that, that honesty developed in me a natural, um, capacity to live an authentic life, you know? And, um, and it's been such an interesting journey too. like, you know, we met on Instagram, which is so cool. And I'll name for myself that like, I've been in, the field of wellness um, for, you know, six plus years. And it has taken me, it took me like five years to get to a place where I was willing to be like totally um, open, honest, and constantly communicating and recovering out loud, you know? Um, And so I also feel like everybody kind of has their own path and, and journey with what authenticity gets to be about and look like but I know for me like I love that I get to be in a place where you know both in my personal life and in the world of social media I feel really committed to authenticity Um, but it's definitely taken time to get there and I've done it first in like small situations and then developed a capacity to feel safe doing it in those situations and then that's allowed me to move into like kind of Diff, I don't want to say bigger and bigger but like different arenas and feel safe doing it there too
1: oh I love everything of what you just said mm-hmm. um, one thing that struck me for myself and my own kind of journey and you you said that that it like changes and then we go through phases and come back to phases with authenticity but I feel like I went through a big like F you world <laughs> part of my authentic <laughs> like authenticity
0: mm-hmm. so there had to
1: be like a swinging of the pendulum of being like yeah. aggressively authentic, yeah. to being like very passively authentic or like mm. inauthentic. And now mm. I'm kind of like finding the middle ground a little bit.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I do think that it's like a, a middle, a middle road mm. in, in so many ways. And so much of it is about like, what is my intention in sharing this authentic thing right now? You know? Um, and, <clears throat> and for me, I have to continuously ask myself like am I am I sharing this thing and it's authentic but I maybe don't feel but it still feels tender right I think Brené Brown talks about this where she says like not everybody deserves to know every piece of your story and if there's a piece of your story that you're still like actively working on then sometimes it actually can be harmful to your process because then if you receive unwanted feedback or you receive some sort of reflection or something like that like that can that can be harmful and so it's like what's the balance between like okay yes authenticity and also am I Am I giving myself the space to do that in a way that feels safe, where I know that I can be held in that authenticity with respect and with honoring? And then otherwise, like there are parts that we can like keep, you know, for only certain spaces or, or, and not certain spaces and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, it's having boundaries with others and yourself too, of totally. knowing what's, what's safe for you to share and
0: not share. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: I love, I love quoting Brené Brown too.
0: That got me hooked. (laughs) Totally. I feel like most people have that experience. She's so great. (laughs)
1: Um, And you also said recovering out loud. I would Mm. love to hear what that means to you. That's so beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm in recovery. Well, I entered into recovery because of my, um, uh, addiction to, uh, heroin and meth and really any drug that I could get my hands on. And then also alcohol. Um, and so that was kind of my entry into the world of recovery and, you know, I've been, uh, clean and sober now for more than seven years. I just had my seventh year sobriety birthday on February 1st, but I, I, um, you know, over the course of the last seven years have come to realize that there's like, there's so much more to recovery than just the substance use. Right. And so it's really like in so many ways, like a soul recovery and that is ever evolving and I'm learning about myself and, um, and, uh, and healing every day really. Right. And so, um, so, but all to say, when I talk about recovering out loud, What I mean is that I've committed to being really open about being in recovery from um, substance use and other things, because I think that there, and that's, you know, a personal choice. I don't think that everybody needs to walk that path. Although if people want to, I think it's so powerful because there's so much stigma in our society around it. When the truth is, is that we live in the most addicted society in history. And so it's actually like one of the most normal in human experiences that we have and yet there it's still you know hidden away in the shadows in so many ways and there's so much judgment around it um and because there's so much judgment around it I think that people uh don't seek the help that they need um because they're afraid of that judgment I know that was my experience for years I I I wanted help, but I was just so afraid of asking for it because I didn't want people to feel feel a certain way or how they felt about me change in, in reality, like I was causing so much harm through my use anyway, that when I did start to be open and honest about it, people were mostly, mostly relieved, but, but all to say, um, I'm really committed to breaking the stigma as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, I share really openly about recovery and I have people, um, I work with folks one-on-one, I do sober coaching also, and I, um, Last year, I uh, founded an online recovery space for women who are recovering really from any destructive behaviors, but I feel really committed to creating space for folks to recover that's really um, non-judgmental and, um, and really open and welcoming, because I know that that is, is essential if people want to recover, um, to have that safe space. And so, yeah. Oh, I
1: love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and congratulations on your mm. seven plus little plus years. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're
1: welcome. Hmm. I wanted to touch back on what you said about belonging as well, because I feel like that's really tied into the spaces that you're creating. Mm. Um, and I think that was part of my journey with alcohol use as well, that I've always felt like I didn't belong. And so one of the easiest ways to belong in a group of people that you don't feel comfortable with is to get drunk around them because then you have that in common, your inhibitions go down. (laughs) Um, So I think it's so special too, not just for recovery, but creating a space where you can be sober and yourself too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one of the most common ways that we're taught to connect culturally is through is around drinking for sure and I hear that again and again from folks that that feels like um, it, it feels like climbing an uphill battle in so many ways to change because everywhere we turn it's like you know big alcohol is marketing to us that like this is how we should be living and then we're getting that reinforced through our friendship dynamics or our family dynamics or just you know all, all the dynamics relational dynamics that we can be in Um, and yeah, that's why I, again and again, come back to the necessity for other recovery community, because when we're, if we're, if we feel isolated in a space where everybody has this common bond around alcohol and nobody's seeking to change that, it can feel impossible to change it ourselves. And so, but then coming into a space of a community where everybody's seeking to change that and is like normalizing all of the internal experiences and feelings and realities that we're holding around this thing that's causing us so much suffering, um, that in and of itself is is so healing. I know that was for me, you know, like when I I was, I tried to get sober for years before I did. And in my early twenties, but I just didn't know anybody else that was sober, you know? And so I didn't really think it was possible for me. I had, I didn't have any idea of what it could look like to live a sober life that wasn't modeled to me, you know? And it wasn't until I found sober community that I was able to be like, okay, if this is possible for them, then maybe it's possible for me and started to take like direction and receive support in that way.
1: That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you read uh, Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker?
0: No, but I know of it and I love her and follow her on Instagram.
1: (laughs) She's so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And she talks so much about big alcohol, which I didn't really, I mean, I probably knew it was a thing, but like her book really highlighted to me the ways that big alcohol teaches us that it's healthy almost to drink, not only healthy, but normal, unexpected and, totally. and like sexy and fun yeah uh, and soothing uh so there's just so many messages that we have around alcohol that we don't mm-hmm. even realize we have
0: it's so true yeah i'll watch a tv show now you know and it, i'll just find it so interesting the subtle ways you know whatever some character feeling stressed about some things. It's like, Oh, I'm going to go get the drink. And it's just like, so normalized that that's how we cope with any difficult emotion. Um, and it's so insidious that we almost don't even notice it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hope Mm -hmm. and celebrate too.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: yeah. So interesting. And she actually talks about in her book, the importance of really intentional recovering or recovery communities. Mm. because the typical model that's used is like you're a piece of shit person so you need to get better (laughs) yeah women and most people really don't need that messaging because we already feel like we're a piece of shit person
0: totally totally yeah and that's one of the things that I I love so much about embodied recovery community the community that that's growing um that you know I i I always like feel sort of funny saying like oh I founded this community because it's really like so far beyond and not really about me at the end of the day but like but all to say that it's such a special community because it is very much about holding that space where it's like actually the foundation is understanding that each of us is like inherently good and inherently divine and inherently worthy and how do we um how do we reclaim that that truth and that knowing how do we remember that for ourselves and so I think that yeah that's such an important part of having an intentional recovery community for sure
1: yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about your community
0: yeah yeah definitely um so embodied recovery community um like I said is a space for for w- any you know women identifying folks or anyone who's ex you know experienced the oppression of misogyny really right like non-binary trans everybody is welcome but um but uh it's really about anybody who's recovering from any kind of destructive behavior so it doesn't have to just be substance use there's also folks who are you know recovering from things like codependency or food addiction or love addiction and you know i i personally am like in a in a real place of kind of um decolonizing in a sense but as much as possible like not labeling things and so all those things are labels right but but for the purpose of just communicating that there's many different ways in which somebody can enter into recovery and all of those ways are welcome in our space i'll just say that and then um and we uh we gather around really four pillars so the first is community and so we have um gatherings every single week in the way of um sharing circles, uh, yoga and meditation. And we also have monthly ceremonies uh, near full and new moons. Um, And so we gather in that community space. And then we also have the second pillar, which is embodiment. And so All of our spaces are embodiment-centered, which means that we are continuously coming back to and learning how to be in our bodies. Um, I know for me, that has been a huge part of my recovery because my uh, addiction and the way that I lived my life was all about disembodiment, being disconnected from my body, numbing, not feeling, um, not being connected to myself, to my needs, to my feelings. Um, And so a huge part of recovery is learning how to engage with a wider range of emotions, with sensations, both individually and in relationship, right? And so embodiment is a a really central pillar to the work that we do together. And then we also have self-reflection. So every month there's journal prompts that are centered around whatever the month's recovery theme is. Um, like this month our theme is embodying commitment and so we've just been in this exploration of what that means to embody commitment Um, and then our fourth pillar is service and um, service you know is is such a vital part of any recovery path and really it's it's not like I think there's a kind of a patriarchal paradigm of service where it's like oh I'm I'm giving to this person that's in the less, you know, in a lesser position than me or something like that. And it's like, that's not what we're doing at all. It's not a a hierarchical in that way. It's very much coming from a place of mutual aid, which is just this idea that like, actually in order for me to thrive, you also need to thrive. And so how do we support that for one another? Um, And how do we give what we can, receive what we need and let there be this continual flow in that. And so this year we're really focusing on like, how do we, Deepen networks of community care within our own community in a way that's that like rooted in service. And so those are, yeah, the four pillars. And it's a really awesome space. There's women from all over the country. um, And it's in a really fun place right now where there's just over 40 women. So it's like, it's, it's big enough that, that um, yeah, there's just like, it's dynamic and it's fun. And it's like small enough that folks are actually getting to know one another I you know I've been part of membership spaces before where like you really just feel like a floating box every time you come into a gathering because it's always different people and you don't actually really feel like you're getting to know anybody and so it's in a fun space now where it's like folks are actually getting to know one another and um yeah it's really special and I love it so much
1: yeah wow that is so exciting and how long have you been doing that?
0: Yeah. So the community um, started in January of 2021. So if this is now month 14 that it's been in existence. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Congratulations. That's so cool.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You said one of the main things that you work on is coming back to the idea that you're inherently worthy or inherently Mm -hmm. divine. Mm -hmm. Could you maybe expand a little bit on that?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I think that. um, Gosh, I'm trying to feel into. There's so many directions to go with expanding on this. Um, The one that feels the most alive in me right now is that, you know. I don't know if you ever heard somebody say. I I'm sure I read this somewhere. I don't remember where, but somebody once said that um that addicts are just misguided seekers right and so like usually when we're when we're in our whatever we're in whether we want to call that they call it addiction or or call it something else but um but we're ultimately seeking right like there's a there's a hole inside that we're trying to fill um and and there's there's an aliveness that we're wanting to experience um in some way. Um, And when we come into recovery, it's like, okay, then the question becomes like, okay, if I'm not going to be filling the hole with this substance or this behavior or this thing, then what am I going to be filling it with? And I feel like the the beautiful thing about recovery is that we start to be able to like orient to a spirituality that works for us or something that we believe in that's 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 divine and that is also in us and start to turn towards that as a way to kind of like fill that hole so to speak Mm -hmm. um and so you know talking about being inherently divine I feel like that is in and of itself is like a is a is a deeply spiritual experience to come to recognize like oh I am a I am a child of whatever it is that I believe in that's bigger than me. And some people call that God, some people call that spirit, some people call that nature, you know, what, what, whatever our orientation or our language is. Um, but coming to remember that about ourselves is such an important part of the path of recovery. And so um, that piece feels really important. And then also just the, the worthiness piece. I mean, I feel like we're taught in a million different ways being rooted in this world of capitalism that we exist in that we need to be this way or change this thing or consume this thing in order to be worthy of love and that um it's not just a mentality. It's like, a it's like, it's it's very physiological that, that desire and need to belong and, and, and the fear that we don't. Um, And so, but all to say that, um, that coming to recognize that actually we've been worthy all along and that it's not us, that's like, that's the issue. It's like, it's what we're swimming in that we often don't even realize we're swimming in, you know, because that's just how we live. It's like the fish in water doesn't realize it's in water, right? It's just been swimming in in this reality for so long.
1: Yeah.
0: And to me, a huge part of recovery is like, is, is beginning to be able to pull back that veil and be like, oh my God, this isn't, there isn't anything inherently wrong with me. And actually like, I'm I'm already whole and I'm not broken. And like, I'm, I'm actually okay as I am. And it's, it's what I've been told and fed in so many different ways. Um, That's the thing. That's the issue. And, uh, you know, for me, when I started to realize that it's like that in and of itself eliminated a whole host of reasons that I wanted to drink and use, you know? (laughs) Um, And so it's so important um, to, to, to practice remembering that and like we need other people to help us remember that too often right um and that's also what I love about about community is just having you know we're deeply interrelational beings we just are we need one another to thrive and to be mirrors for each other and when we can have that space to have somebody reflect to us our inherent goodness instead of what you know culture and consumerism and media and marketing and all these things and our and maybe even family dynamics and other relational dynamics might be reflecting to us like when we can have somebody that can hold that space of reflection for our inherent worth like that is so profoundly healing Uh, and so yeah I feel like there's probably so much more I could say about it but (laughs) I'll stop there (laughs)
1: thank you and that reminds me of our card too we're inherently beautiful Mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm I love that this episode of empowered spirituality is sponsored by we are the spell if you are seeking a trauma-informed yoga asana space that reaffirms your intuition or if you've been finding it difficult to stay committed to your yoga goals, and if you do not agree with how yoga is portrayed in the West, join Irene Yoga Flow's yoga club. You'll get weekly vinyasa and yin practices, radical rest workshops, tarot readings, private classes, and more for club members. If you join Irene's yoga and tarot club in March, at the Moon Daughter tier, you will be eligible for a free tarot reading over Zoom with Irene. Sign up at patreon.com slash or use the link in the show notes to join. Hi there, I'm Kristen Ciccolini, functional nutritionist and menstrual health educator at Good Witch Kitchen. I want to tell you about my cycle syncing course called Cycle Magic, which is an evidence-based program for those who feel like misfits in the world of wellness and who are ready for a more intuitive approach to their health. The course goes in-depth on how the menstrual cycle works, nutrition for happy hormones, and reducing PMS symptoms. Plus, you'll learn about the patriarchal societal structures that keep us from connecting with our bodies, and you'll learn how to develop your intuitive superpowers and apply them to food and movement. It's a robust resource intended to help you live a more cyclical, magical, empowered, and full life without period problems holding you back. You can get $100 off of Cycle Magic with code LUNARLOVE when you visit goodwitchkitchen.net. I know that's so challenging because we're taught in every single sphere in every part of our lives almost that we're not worthy yeah whether it's capitalism like us producing something or us consuming something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so much more it must be so challenging um yeah what is your path to to feeling worthy and feeling yeah like self-lovable I guess
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. Yeah. I mean, the journey of self-love has been an arduous one for me. When I first got sober, if you were to ask me like to orient to self-love, I just had no concept of what that could even possibly feel like. (laughs) Um, I had, yeah, mostly self-loathing, you know, honestly. And, um, and so I began with like self friendliness which is really like in so many ways of Buddhist practice. Like I could orient to being friendly towards myself that I could feel in my body. I could understand, I could wrap my mind around how that could be possible, where it's like, oh, I can, I can start to talk to myself internally the way that I would a friend, or I could be curious about my experience the way that I would be curious with a friend instead of like judgmental and really critical and harsh. And so it started like that for me um and then you know slowly over time I think another big part of of recovery is learning how to live in alignment with my values and my integrity and you know there's a saying that's like if you want to build self-esteem then do esteemable acts Mm -hmm. and so I would I would do that you know I would just make um I would be of service to others I would show up when I said I was going to show up, like really seemingly simple things that for me were like huge leaps in growth because I was so, I had so much of a tendency towards like avoidance and running and freezing. Um, And so, yeah, starting to just like uh, keep my promises to myself, to other people um, and to do things and to make choices very intentionally, even if they terrified me that were in alignment with who I wanted to be in the world. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't do any of that in a vacuum. Like I, I had support and I'm, I'm, I'm privileged and, um, and very fortunate to have the support that I've had. Um, but I, I was able to start to, you know, day by day be making these different choices um, choices that were ultimately uh, moving me towards life rather than away from it, right, and, um, and, and, and in doing so over time, I started to develop self-esteem and, and be like, oh, okay, I like, I, I like that I handled things that way, or I like that I um, communicated that to that person, I, I like that I showed up to this thing, even though I didn't want to, and then I actually had a great time, you know, and so slowly, but surely I started to feel that sense of being proud of myself, of um, being proud of the way that I was moving through the world um, of making those choices that were in alignment with my integrity and and then self esteem grew from there and then in that I developed a capacity to experience self love and Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make any sort of illusions that i have like got that, you know, totally dialed in and never experienced things like self-judgment and self-criticism because I certainly do. And I genuinely do love myself so much more than I ever have. And I, and I, and I really share that only just to like, I know for me when I'm on a path, and something a concept feels new it's like nice to hear that it's possible from other people (laughs) so I share that just to say that like I'm not special in any way you know and so if it's possible for me then it's certainly possible for anybody who it wants is maybe listening or seeking seeking that
1: yeah oh I like that I like starting with self-friendliness And I totally agree with you that when I first heard people talking about self-love, I really thought that was BS. They're just saying that, but there's no way they actually love themselves because Mm -hmm. that's impossible. Mm -hmm. And so I like that you broke it down. Like you don't have to go from self-loathing to self-love. You can kind of climb your way there and it's not going to be linear either. You're going to go all over the place. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so funny too. I was thinking about the self-esteem expression that you shared. Mm. Days ago. That's so funny.
0: Oh, funny. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, I love that book. Such a good one. Yeah,
1: I know. Oh, um, and you talked about values and integrity. Mm. And I feel like that was another one that when I started hearing the word values, I was like, nah. <laughs> like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what that is and I don't need to do that.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. What yeah. was your
1: journey to figuring out your values?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, it's an ongoing journey, right? And that they're, they're ever evolving and shifting. And, and really my, my, I think of my role as like, am I available to life as it's unfolding? And if I am, um, then more is constantly being revealed and, and directing me to examine what, what it is that I value or should be valuing, um, need to be valuing. And so I don't think by any means that, that that's a fixed, a fixed thing, but um, I'll say that, yeah, I totally relate to your experience of being like, well, what, what is that really? You know? Um, and <clears throat> I think that interestingly, you know, in Embodied Recovery Community this month with our theme of embodying commitment, I think a lot of times when we think of commitment, we think of like the things that we're committed to, right? Um, in our life like the external things which are certainly you know commitments but also it's like if we're connected to our values then that enforce or uh, uh, in what's the word that I'm looking for it um, informs how we commit to things and we can do commit more intentionally what I hear often and over and over again both in working with folks one-on-one and in, in community spaces and even just you know my personal relationships is like everybody actually feels overcommitted for the most part yeah but i think that part of that can be because we actually aren't clear on what it is that we value and so we're saying yes to everything um because we don't actually know how to prioritize what truly matters to us right and so when we come to this question of values it's like for me it it often is it's both. It's both, you know, larger vision values, uh, overarching everyday life values, and also sometimes day to day. But, you know, an example that comes to mind is like, I used to uh, constantly be experiencing burnout, you know, because because I was overcommitting to so many things, and then I had to ask myself like, what am I valuing right now? And the truth was, is like I, I, I wasn't. I was, I was val, I was valuing um, the 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 constant need to say yes to feel okay and to feel safe, right? Like that's what my actions are reflecting that I'm valuing, as opposed to valuing rest and living cyclically, right? And so I had to say to myself, and I feel like, yeah, you, you probably have so much to share about this. I love how um, even just like your emails and stuff, I'm like, been so appreciating how you are cyclically oriented. But anyway, I'll just say that I had to really get honest with myself, like, okay, what am I choosing to value right now? And if I want to value um, living like a balanced life where I feel restored and enlivened by the things that I'm doing instead of burned out, then I need to start to value rest more. And that, and in doing so, in in orienting to valuing rest, valuing living cyclically, that then informed what I was committing to. Because I had to really check in with myself and feel like, oh, do I actually have capacity for this thing, or am I tired? Am I spread thin? Am I overstretched? And if, or is this thing going to put me into a place of feeling overstretched? And if that's the case, then I have to come back to valuing rest and that means that i have to say no to this thing and so that's just like one example right of, of of exploring what it is that we value and letting our values inform how we're moving through the world um i could expand more on it if you wanted to but
1: yeah yeah i would love that
0: yeah yeah um yeah and then i think that there's also you know for me just like some some overarching things that I, I value, you know, one of them is, is, is valuing family and quality time. Right. And so again, it's like, I have to be really clear within myself about that on a daily basis. Um, because if I'm not, then inevitably the waves of life will sway me in another direction. And then I feel like I'm not living in alignment with my own needs. I start to develop things like resentment and stuff like that, and none of that is helpful, right? And so it's like, okay, what am I valuing right now? What are my what are my highest values? And so certainly, like family and my my close um, and nourishing friendships that are chosen family in so many ways is like something that I deeply value I also deeply value somatics as paradigm embodiment as paradigm and I'm committed to bringing that work into the world because I think that that is is so vital if if we are hoping to make the change that I, I know that so many of us are have been working for wanting to see in the world and so I feel deeply committed to somatics as paradigm and that's part of my value system you know and so every day it's like I get to ask myself am I living in alignment with that am I staying connected to my body um, am I Turning in the direction of my body when something is difficult, or am I running? Am I trying to numb out in some other way? You know, substances aren't an issue for me anymore. I never have a desire to drink or use, but I can numb out with Netflix. I can numb out with social media. Like there's a million ways that we can still numb out on things, right? And so, again, it's like this question of okay, what am I valuing in this moment? Um, What am I committed to as far as my values go on a day to day basis? Um, And how can I? You know very lovingly and not judgmentally but just like be in a continuous inquiry of that like how do i come back into alignment with what matters most to me right now
1: oh i love everything you just said mm. um where to start where to start um oh one thing i've been thinking a lot about is the idea of consent with ourselves and mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of that has to do with the body but also like what we're saying yes and what we're saying no to yeah, and is something a full-bodied yes, or is your body saying no and you're saying yes, or is your body saying no and your mind is saying yes, yeah. or like the part of you that wants praise is that saying yes when your soul is saying no, and yeah. so like trying to find that in myself to give more embodied yeses and embodied noes.
0: Yes, it's also so
1: hard to say no. <laughs>
0: it's so hard. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, there's that. I feel like that could be a whole conversation but i I love what you're talking about about an embodied yes and an embodied no and that's one of the millions of reasons that i love embodiment work because i think that when we're not and not always i i can be connected to my body and still say yes when i mean no but but when i am more connected to my body i often have more of a capacity to pause because you know and you just named it right like we know when something's a no we feel that in our bodies where it's just like, there's a contraction and it's just like, ugh, like that's not what I wanna be doing, you know? Um, and <laughs> yeah. and yet, if we're not accustomed to uh, making decisions that are directed from an inward place versus an external one, then we're going to be so much more likely to, to say yes, instead of honoring that no internally. And so embodiment as you know a paradigm and a practice for me, um, grants me the space to, uh, be able to at least pause and check in first before I answer, you know? Um, and, and then, and then if it feels like a no, you know, sometimes I'm able to, to say the no, Um, sometimes I can feel that despite the fact that it's a no, I'm afraid to say no to the person. So something that I've learned to do is say, I'm going to have to think about that and, or, or look at my calendar or whatever, and I'll get back to you. So that generates some kind of a a little bit more of a pause. And then in that space where there's a a more ample pause, then I can really be like kind of mentally prepared to be like, okay, okay, I'm going to say no to this person, I'll whatever call them again, or you know, send a text, or just whatever the thing, but like, there, then there's like a little bit more wiggle room, I feel like. And you know, there are still some moments where I feel the no and I say yes, but at least now when I do that, I can be aware that that's what's happening for me. And really, like, that's such an issue for me of like, oh, I don't feel safe enough in this dynamic to say no. And so I get to be curious about why that is for me um, and hold, hold that impulse with so much compassion because I think that's such a survival impulse, right? Where it's like, we, we, we need to feel that sense of belonging and we can be afraid that if we, say, if we say the no, that that will be stripped from us. And like that, yeah, that, that just lets us know like, oh, there's, there's some space to do some work around this still. And that's beautiful. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that you're really taking away the judgment from that and doing totally. things more as information instead of these yeah. like loaded implications about our worthiness or about who we are as people.
0: Totally. Totally. And I think that the more that we orient to, because the other thing too, is I, 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 I imagine, you know, anybody that's listening to this, like, if, you know, it's like, if we're having this conversation, then that means that like, it's, it's something, there's something happening collectively around this, you know, and people learning what it even means to set boundaries and how to do that. And I think that oftentimes we can be so f- focused on the, the ways we feel like we're failing in the boundary setting or the moments that we don't set the boundaries up that we fail to see all the progress we've actually made. And I know. That there's been so much progress made collectively in the way of learning how to set boundaries. And I know also for me personally that when I can focus more on the progress rather than on the ways I perceive that I'm like failing, then that actually uh, exponentiates my growth in that arena. Cause I'm like, oh, cool, I'm celebrating that I set that boundary. That celebration feels good. And then that kind of like bolsters my system to be able to do it again, you know? Whereas if I perceive that I've failed and then I like, you know, judge myself or criticize myself and then I shrink and then I feel shame, then it's like, then I can't possibly change from that place. And so, yeah, letting there be both that compassion and grace, and then also orienting to the progress, I feel like actually really serves to, to exponentiate the benefits of that practice of setting boundaries.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so important. And even if you notice that you didn't set a boundary, and like, ideally you'd go back and you would, and you're beating yourself up about that. It's still a big deal that you're even thinking that you should have set a boundary
0: or that you think totally. that, that was
1: a possibility for you to do in the first place.
0: Totally. still a huge step. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every tiny awareness and every tiny step is like equally worthy of celebration. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have so much still that we, I guess we didn't cover. I want to talk about maybe our last thing as well. I don't know. I just said a lot of words that didn't go on the same sentence. (laughs) (laughs) But um, (laughs) I want to talk about how we can tend to our sobriety, slash mental health, slash recovery when we're in a busy, fast paced world, especially Mm. like talking about urgency and rest. Yeah. Because rest is so important. But I feel like when people think about rest, they're like, but. I have kids or I have a job, like I can't rest for hours at a time, or like I can't tend to my well being for hours at a time. Yeah. So, yeah, what, what, what do you think about that?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's um, such a common uh, narrative and reality, and the thing that I that comes to mind when you share that is like it it that doesn't have to be hours at a time. You know, I think that sometimes it, it it's really real that there are folks that are living a life that demands so much, um, and <clears throat> and that for many, you know, to have all that space can be and feel like a, a, a huge privilege. And, um, you know, I, I'm also a mom to a 19 month old, and I've certainly had my own journey with this, you know, in the last 19 months, because yeah, parenthood just takes so much of you. And what I've learned is that I needed to, um, adjust my, the story that I was telling myself around rest, what rest was supposed to look like. And so I definitely, you know, had that where I would say, oh, well, I don't, you know, before I had a, my daughter, it's like I would spend, you know, sometimes three hours a day, like either going on a run and or going to yoga or in meditation or in my whatever and all this kind of stuff. And I had all this ample time to really tend to myself um, in ways that felt really great. And now there are just days where that's not three you know, three hours. That's not even close to possible. But I do have 30 minutes Um, Or I do have, you know, five minutes in between this thing and next to slow down and take some conscious breaths. I think that sometimes we um, think that rest yeah, needs to be this huge block of time or self care needs to be this huge block of time, but really self care can happen on a moment to moment basis in, in, in so many ways, you know, it's, it's also nuanced. And so I'm not, you know, I think there are like larger spaces for self-care that are absolutely required. And my, my intention in sharing this is that i want i my hope is that folks can start to reframe for themselves what can be possible because i know for me you know i might want an hour of space and that's not possible but even 5 minutes of a guided meditation or some deep breaths or some sort of embodiment practice can do wonders for my nervous system and support in downregulating and and increasing my sense of ease right and so i i my hope is that that can feel more available to folks and that we can get creative about the way that we're thinking about that.
1: I like that so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was wondering if you could tell yourself anything like seven or eight years ago when you were trying to get in recovery or you're trying to get sober and you weren't quite there yet, what would you like her to know?
0: Mm. Put you
1: on the spot with a small question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's totally, it's a good one. Um, I honestly, I don't know that I would, um, I, I certainly wouldn't tell her anything with the intention of trying to alter her path. Um, because I think that I needed every experience that I had to get to where I am today um, and I really trust that uh, very deeply um, and so I don't think that I would say anything in that way um, I, I think that I honestly would it would it would be less about what I would say and more about like just hold it holding her in that space with so much love and and so much um, compassion and also reflecting to her, reflecting to her, her inherent goodness, you know, Um, because I think she really needed that. Like she had so much, yeah, so much harshness and um, self-loathing and, um, and wasn't able to really see the good, even though it's there, it's there in everybody. Right. And so, yeah. So I think it would be something around that.
1: And you're totally doing that for her now.
0: Mm, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, so I would love for you to give our listeners a challenge or a resource to focus on this next week.
0: Mm, yes, totally. Yeah, I suppose my um my challenge, I I really I like in keeping with kind of what we just talked about around the rest piece is like a challenge could be Um, to explore like how are we thinking about rest and what are we thinking it needs to look like and what could it possibly look like Um, what could five you know five minutes of a restful activity look like whether that's you know breath or it's like going outside and like putting your feet in the dirt and you know or some or you know it could be so many things but just being curious about um, what it means to incorporate uh, more ease throughout our day and even small moments. Um, so that feels like a challenge for folks. Yeah.
1: That's such a great one. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and will you tell us about all the ways that we can work with you and maybe where we could find you on social media, et cetera?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I work with, um, I work with people one-on-one I do, you know, both sober slash somatic coaching. It's a combination. Um, of you know sober coaching and and embodiment it's embodiment centered always um and so that's one way to work with me and then embodied recovery community uh, enrollment will be opening again at the end of march and so that's another way um and then you can find me uh on um social media my my personal account is at haley devlin h-a-l-i-e d-e-v-l-i-n And then also um, Embodied Recovery Community has an account that's all one word. And then my website um, is a place where you can find me too. And that's sacredgroundingwellness.com. Awesome.
1: I have to say that you're just so cool and I like you so much.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes, you too. Healing is very mutual. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's been a real joy. Thank
1: you so much for coming. I think this topic was very, very much needed.
0: Good, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, I hope that it serves. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me and my guest if you would rate and review this podcast. Um, You can do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify actually just created a new option to rate your favorite podcasts. Um, So that would be a wonderful way to help the show grow and also just to show me some support and love, or maybe you'd like to send this episode to someone you think would benefit from it. Um, If you'd like to tag me or my guests on social media or comment on this episode post, you can find me on Instagram at empowered.spirituality. And on that Instagram uh, account, I also share things related to holistic health, uh, menstrual cycle awareness, uh, movement. Um, and all kinds of things. So I would love for you to give me a follow over there. And lastly, I am taking clients for one-on-one session work. I offer three and six months programs with the option to keep going. Um, in these one-on-one coaching containers, we really get to do a deep dive of spirituality if that's something that interests you, or if not, we don't touch it, um, movement, food, your menstrual cycle, if you have one, and we also really do a deep dive into our intuition and our authenticity. And we also look at things like how much we're consuming alcohol and substances. And we use a really intuitive, flexible framework for approaching these things that we're really taught are strict uh, in our culture. So I'd love to see you over there. My website is empoweredspirituality.online and you can book a free consultation call. But until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next Thursday.